You're listening to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other, that stays updated with the most recent tips and advice on how to make it in America and become a successful resident or fellow in the speciality of your dreams. Dr. Alonso Osorio is board certified and residency trained in both emergency and family medicine and will be bringing you 20 years of his personal experiences, struggles and motivation. We'll be chatting with people like you to talk about the lessons they've learned along their personal path, how to make an impact and how we can all benefit from it. Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Foreign International Medical Graduate Podcast, soon to become osoriomd.com. And here we are, and we're all about hearing feedback from our followers. And some of our followers wanted to get on the show a international medical graduate residency training radiology and how difficult it was for them to make it into. And they wanted to hear specifically about a, an international medical graduate that fulfilled the dream. So I found a fantastic guest, Dr. Isan Mamoun, who happens to make it into radiology at the Cleveland Clinic. So Dr. Mamoun has a fantastic story, which knowing that he was born and raised in the United States, he decided to pursue his medical school overseas. So he went to Jordan University of Science and Technology in Jordan, and he obtained there his medicine bachelor and bachelor of surgery, the MBBS, that many of you probably see out there through ECFMG certificates, and then succeeded to match into an internal medicine preliminary program in the Cleveland Clinic, followed by a full radiology residency at the same prominent institution, followed by not only one, but two fellowships, one of them in pediatric radiology and the other one in neuroradiology. Dr. Mamoun has been in practice for about 10 years, and we're so delighted to have him over. Thank you for taking the time of your day off to come over to the show and share your personal experience, Dr. Mamoun. Thank you, Alonso, very much. Uh, appreciate it. Happy to be here and uh, share my experience. I think this is phenomenal because many of our listeners say, well, I think I have to settle only for internal medicine, family practice, uh, pediatrics, OBGYN. How can I make it into America? Is there a possibility for any FMG to, to be a radiologist in the U.S.? Or what do you think are the things that need to be done to accomplish such a dream? Well, um, you know, if you have a dream and uh, you have a goal to achieve, uh, you set the appropriate steps to achieve those goals. And uh, if you're walking on these steps correctly, you'll get to your goal. And, you know, again, this is the land of opportunity. You know, if, if your dream is to become a radiologist, a neurosurgeon, orthopedic doctor, you know, you have the uh, potential for that. You know, just do what you need to be done and uh, give it some time. Be persistent and you will get there. Fantastic. So, Isan, I know that despite the fact that you were born in the United States and you could have gone to pursue medical school in the U.S., you probably were thinking, oh, no, I don't want to go through those huge student loans. I know you're the son of a physician yourself. Mm -hmm. And I guess, like me, potentially now that my children will have a dual residency, if they decide to be doctors, 
or citizens, they're, they're dual citizens. They would like to be doctors. I will tell them, dude, go ahead and go to medical school in Colombia. It's going to be super cheap. Go ahead and f- fulfill that. You're bilingual. Just come back and, you know, come back and do the residency training in the United States. I don't know what was the thought process 15, 20 years ago when you did that. Well, you know, my father is a radiologist also. When he came to the States in 1974, 75, you know, he did his residency. He did his training in trepidation radiology. In 1980, 81, uh, he was finishing up. And um, at that time, the Gulf countries, uh, specifically Saudi, were offering a lot of excellent opportunities for doctors. So he took advantage of that. And when he went there, he became a chairman of radiology in one of the big hospitals. And he's still there practicing. So basically, I was born in the U.S., but, you know, eventually I was, I grew up in Saudi, but we used to come back and forth between uh, Saudi and the U.S. But, um, you know, for me to choose Jordan, they had uh, two excellent schools at that time, medical schools, and it was a two-hour flight from where we live in Saudi. So it was kind of tempting to stay around my family, you know, not to come back to the U.S. for medical studies. In Jordan, um, they had uh, Jordan University of Science and Technology, and then they have the University of Jordan. I chose the first one. It was an interesting experience. One of the advantages of being in medical school in Jordan that you immediately go into medical school. So six years, you're already in there. Do your, uh, you know, first three years in basic sciences, you know, uh, physiology, biochemistry, anatomy, and pathology. And then the last three years are medical training. And then an internship is not a must. The seventh year is not a must. You can do it anywhere. I chose to do it in Saudi. And uh, when I finished in 2004, I did my year in Saudi for my internship or externship, you would call it. And I did my USMLE at that time also. Wow. That's a long path. So you, when you went to medical school, you did probably phenomenally well. And then you did your, took your USMLEs. You knew that you wanted to come back to America. Did your father say, go ahead, son, Isan, I want you to potentially consider going to the US. And you just kind of decided to head that path. You never thought about staying in Saudi or, or in Jordan? Yeah, I think that my path was clear that eventually I'll be in the U.S. So I didn't have any options. I didn't look into other you know, countries. You know, I'm a U.S. citizen and eventually I need to come back here. And, uh, you know, so to do my U.S. and Lee was like a, a very crucial step and I had to score really high to match in the things I need to match in. Isan, just to kind of uh, piggyback into what you just said, you know, I'm surprised that you decided to come to the U.S. I guess the American dream is always there, but... Uh, me, as a foreign medical grad, at some point in time during the transition period of my uh, job in Texas and my job in Florida, I actually went through the interviewing process and recruiting process uh, with the Cleveland Clinic in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. And I went to Cleveland, Ohio, and then they took me over to Abu Dhabi, and I visited the facilities for about a week. They treated me like a king. You know, they gave me like mm-hmm. a fancy car and nice hotel reservations. And it was a phenomenal experience. I interviewed with about 12 different chairmen and they wanted me to come and stay. And I thought that they were going to be staying, but you know, I, I realized that probably the money was not what I was expecting. So I decided to kind of stay in America, but the considerations has always been there. And the Middle East always has the need for, for foreign trained uh, doctors, because I think that there is a need for specialists like you and especially they wanted to bring a brand trained emergency medicine physician into the country. And they recruited a bunch of UK and US grads and they have a very solid program. And I think they're yep. doing a phenomenal job. So having pitched into the Cleveland Clinic, how a person is able to make it into the Cleveland Clinic? What was the things that you did right on the USMLEs to score highly? And how was the interviewing process for you? You know, you need to have a strategy. 
one of the things is obviously to get the excellent scores and then, you know, do some, uh, you know, get the opportunity to do some uh, observation, you know, observerships. If you're willing enough, you can do like, you know, um, research opportunity in these facilities. So people would know you, you know, your personality, you know, besides being, uh, you know, achieving well in your academic duties, you need to show that you're a good person. You need to show that you're, you blend in with the people around you, a fair person to deal with. You're nice. You are, uh, you know, doing what's supposed to be done, uh, being on time, doing your job. This is what all jobs or places or residencies will look into and applicants. So they would like to see someone who's punctual, who's on time, who's uh, fun, and he would deal with others, you know, especially the colleagues, the, the attendings, and all these kind of helps. If someone comes in and, you know, obviously he's always late, he's not really not that fun to be around him, you know, I don't think his chances will be that great to, to join any place, so... Do you think that the program directors in radiology are looking for a specific personality profile? And I mean, no offense, you know, I work in emergency medicine where definitely we have to have daily patient contact interactions and, and you do specifically with children mm -hmm. and in radiology. But in my personal case, you know, they want a person that is like a people person. I guess the radiologists spend more time behind the computer screen. What do you think is the personality that somebody that has to go into radiology has to have? Obviously, be smart, be able to pick up things quickly, know how the clinicians want their kind of um, what they're hinting for when they order something. And, you know, in radiology, when you're, you're uh, in the beginning of it, you're always sitting next to the attending. So you have to be kind of engaging, a little bit of uh, have a good, funny, you know, character, you know, entertaining, not meaning that you're doing any circus-like act, but, you know, you're a fun person to be with. You pitch in some information, some good news here and there, and you learn, you have a nice collegial discussion with your attending. And um, eventually, once you progress into the training, you'll be on your own but you'll have to sit back to the attending to sign out what you have done. So this interaction is important. They want to know the personality of the person. Besides being smart, as I said, you know, you have to also have a good keen eye, understand what the, the clinicians want, and, you know, create a nice, uh, funny environment about, around you. Why so competitive to become a radiologist? I know that it's one of the top residences that are, is kind of up there because obviously the financial Mm -hmm. compensation is significant in the United States. You make very good money as a radiologist, mm -hmm. specifically if you do a lot of fellowships. Do you think only the, the fact that you guys are up there in the upper percentiles of financial income, what else would you say that plays a role in making radiology so competitive? You know, I think any specialty is they go into cycles. Maybe now the cycle of radiology is a little bit higher. Maybe because of the lifestyle, people would be in their office working and breathing. You don't have a lot of uh, patient interaction like the usual clinicians. So all that may be a little bit tempting for people to join practice. It also depends on your personality, if you like that or not. Some people cannot sit on a chair and just, you know, looking at monitors. That's not possible for them. But, you know, if you feel that you are fit for ideology, I would think a good percentage of the new generation would see this as a, as a good job for them. And um, why it's competitive, maybe the pay is good. It depends on where you practice, how hard you work, obviously. If you're doing procedures and interventional theology, you're uh, on call a lot, you know, that, so that's a 
even within radiology, you have to choose what kind of a lifestyle you want. It also depends on where you want to live. Some places may not be that competitive to get into radiology. Others are very competitive to be in radiology. You can go to a remote town or city where they have a residency program, and you may be able to get into radiology if you really like just the fact that you're in a radiology training program. And um, currently, it dipped down a little bit, the demand for radiology around 2005, 2006, and then soars back up dips back again, soars back up. So it all depends on where you hit that cycle when you're applying. Wow. Yeah. Let me step back a little bit and go back to medical school. So let me give you an example. I'm a foreign medical graduate from Colombia. And when I interviewed, sometimes people said, oh, and they read my university name, Universidad Industrial de Santander, Industrial University of Santander, Colombia. And they have no clue where is that. And sometimes you get a little bit kind of, they get a little biased, because of where you train. In your case, being a United States citizen, did they ask you ever why you decided to go overseas for medical school? Do you think that was a pro, a limitation? How did the program's director see it? Did he help you? In my interview process, you know, you meet, when you apply for radiology, you apply for two things at the same time. You apply for the transitional year and you apply for the radiology program. You match for the first and you also match in radiology for the following year after the transition year. So during that interview process, you go to, if you're interviewing for 14 radiology programs, you probably a good idea also to interview for 10, 11, 12 transitional or preliminary programs all at the same time. So I was all over the country doing my interviews and you meet a lot of people. You know, when you explain yourself and where you come from, you have a good understanding, especially if, you have, uh, if you're able to present yourself well and explain how professional your medical school is and where it is ranked according to different uh, universities. And um, people understand quickly that if you're, you know, you're trained well, you'll have the confidence, you'll be able to show how your training was in your medical school. Awesome. Dr. Mamoun, can you tell us how it works exactly uh, to find a preliminary position followed by a radiology position? I know that many people find transitional years. And when you look for a transitional year, that doesn't necessarily attach to a PGY2. But yeah. preliminary positions for radiology are available. Yeah. And those are definitely linked with a PGY2 in radiology, correct? So I guess it's better just to apply to a preliminary position instead of a transitional position or, or how that works? So in radiology, you have the option to choose either preliminary medicine, preliminary surgery, or transitional year, okay? Transitional year includes medicine, surgery, and different, you know, elective rotations. Prelim medicine is obvious. You're going to do all the rotation in medicine, in hemonc, in nephrology, in neurology. Then prelim surgery is the same thing. You're doing general surgery, you're doing neurosurgery, rotation, you're doing other. But you have the option. They are not really strict in what kind of transitional year or preliminary you're going to do. The idea is if you want to do interventional radiology, maybe it's a good idea to do surgery prelim year or do a transitional year where you're going to be exposed to surgery. So that gives you an idea that you're going to do procedures, you're handy, you're, you, you know how to suture and all that stuff. On the other hand, you know, if you're going to be like a body imager or, uh, you know, any other kind of imager, uh, probably a good idea to do a prelim medicine or okay. transitional year. Yeah. So the preliminary transitional year, we can call it the, the internship. Is the first year yeah. of five years of residency program in radiology? Yes. 
Do you have a six-year program or it's only five-year programs always? No, it's just a five-year program, yeah. So it's a five-year program with one year of preliminary or transitional. Mm -hmm. If you have an interest on potentially becoming fellowship training interventional radiology, you could do a surgical internship that has more hands-on experience in the surgical mm -hmm. specialties. Yes. So for our listeners, preliminary years and transitional years, you have months-long rotations in average in the different specialties. So if you're in internal medicine, you will go through all these specialties for internal medicine. But if you do a surgical internship, you will always have rotations in all the different surgical specialties and immediately linked with a PGY2 as a resident. Dr. Mamun, how do you apply to the match? How do you do the whole process? When you said that you have to interview for preliminary first and then at the same time interview for radiology as well or how that goes? So, you know, before September, when they opened the ERAS, you have to have all your things set up. You know, you have to, to have taken your step one, two, three, CS, sorry, and get your ECFMG certificate. Three is not a must, but if you have it, that's a plus, you know. And then, you know, by September 1st, you start applying for the radiology programs. For example, this year, they'll open up in September 2020, okay? You're going to start applying for the internship or the preliminary program starting in June or July 2021. And you'll also apply for radiology starting in June, July 2022. Wow. Okay? So you're applying at the same time for these two spots. And then again, you send your CV, your ERAS application to, you know, 100 radiology programs. And probably you need to do like 60 or 70 programs, maybe more, maybe less. It all depends on you know, where you want to be. It depends on how competitive you are. For IMGs, you have to apply for a lot compared to U.S. graduates. You know, they have probably less money to spend on their application compared to IMGs. We spend a lot of money on that. ERAS is not, a, is not cheap, so you have uh, to put like thousands of dollars in applications to, to match. Before you decided to make this process, do you do a lot of work in Jordan or, or Saudi Arabia and save money or put money aside before you take took on this process? You know, maybe my dad, he helped me a lot. He was, like, he was generous to support me during this, uh, you know, medical school and, uh, you know, transitioning to my new job and residency. And, uh, you know, he didn't ask me for, you know, to pay him back, but it was out of his goodwill to give me the money for what's needed. You know, obviously living in Jordan and doing my medical school is probably, you know, 60, 70% cheaper than being in the U.S. So working hard and, you know, achieving what I need to be doing in my USMLE and doing the right steps made it easy for me to transition without having a lag or a big hiatus. Our listeners are always concerned about how they're going to finance themselves through this process. And I will tell you, the circumstances are very personal and, you know, there's going to be individual implications into how the process is being done. Not everybody has the funding. Some people have to work hard for a couple of years to put some money aside. Some people have the blessing and the luck that you're supported by your family, like it happened to me and it happened to mm -hmm. you and some of our uh, guests, that's the way they have done it. But obviously you all have to consider obviously that there is going to need to be some financial investment in, mm -hmm. in this process. You said that you interviewed for about 12 to 14 preliminary positions during your first match yeah. pro uh, residency application yeah. process. Yes, I think 12 for radiology and also 12 for prelim. And I think many the number 12 is a good number to think about, you know, to have, you know, because it will improve your chances of matching. You said that you applied to about 100 of them? Yeah, maybe more. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you heard that, you know, if, if you want to really try to make it into radiology in the USB and an IMG, consider to apply to more than 100 residency uh, programs across the country for preliminary and radiology categorical positions. So then you went on to do a pediatric and neuroradiology fellowship. That's two years yeah. on top of your five-year training. Yes. How that goes and how competitive it is. Well, you know, for pediatric, I wanted to uh, keep my skills in, in uh, general skills in radiology. So basically, I wanted to keep on reading neuro, the general x-rays, the CTs, the ultrasound, the fluoro. And the training in pediatric helped me keep those skills. At the same time, I'm, you know, switching some of my, my differential diagnosis, my approach to things a little bit different because of the different age groups. But at the end, you know, the general skills are preserved. And then eventually I wanted to, on the long term, I had the idea in my, in my mind, I don't want it to be too super specialized and to be fixated just with pediatric. I wanted to open up my uh, career in also private. So that's why after five years in practice in Cleveland Clinic, I thought of switching to a private uh, practice group like what I'm in now in Tampa, Florida. So I'm doing some of the general ideology. I'm also doing some of my pediatric fellowship trained work. And also, I did. I wanted to have an extra niche in neuroradiology, and um, you know that year helped me a lot. I had the uh, capability of doing uh, neuro for adults and pediatric, and at the same time, I did my pediatric fellowship. I also did pediatric neuro, so I got a good niche in pediatric neuro in these years. And when I stayed uh, as a staff and attending in Cleveland Clinic for five years as a pediatric radiologist, I was also doing a lot of pediatric neuro. Cool. So. There's a lot of things that need to happen to become a radiologist. Many people ask, do you think if you work hard, you can find a position or what are your, the chances overall? You said that you need some good observerships. Right now, nowadays, it's extremely hard to find observerships in the United States. And I heard some ridiculous prices of about 1000 to $3,000 a month to find an observership across the United States. How do you happen to find yours? I mean, in 2005, when I was applying, there's no money involved. You know, this new fee for observership, probably in the last five, six years. Uh, you know, I had uh, a good friend, uh, Dr. Walid Fitehi. He helped me get my observership in, uh, in Cleveland Clinic. And, you know, that was a good blessing to have, to have a good connection with someone inside. So go ahead and, you know, talk to people, connect, go to a meeting, always be engaged. You never know how things happen. So don't sit idle and think that the radiologist is going to come to you. No, you have to be there. You have to be engaged. You have to be talking. You have to show that you're really interested in radiology. This is your dream. This is your passion. You have to do research in it. The common sense in life, you know, if you want to do something, you want to get something, you have to work for it, show interest and um, do the correct steps. How many letters of recommendations do you obtain for the match? I think one of the, the best things you would do probably get a letter of recommendation from f famous people. If you're able to connect with those people, shadow them, you know, it, it will be a huge blessing. So obviously, I got my letter of recommendation from my medical school. But the most important letter of recommendation is when you come to the States, when you start your observership, your shadowing, you need to, you know, make sure you impress those people that you're working with. How do you impress a radiologist? Because in, in my personal case in emergency medicine, you know, you go and see cases, you do the whole, whole history and physical, and then you present the case, you present yeah. the differential and the worst case scenario and how you're going to work them up. That's for, for a clinical medicine path. How do you impress an attending in radiology? You said you do a lot of research, but once you sit down and you're reading images, have you done a lot of 
personal reading and you know how to interpret the test, the images, or how, how does it work? How, how do you make yourself look good? Yeah, maybe, you know, this is a two-edged sword. You have too much knowledge and you're too young or, you know, you're not a resident yet. You don't want to show off too much and, you know, step on others' toes, you know. So you have to have a, a, like a wisdom how to you and approach things. You may show, when you're asked, show that you know. If you don't know, obviously, just stay quiet and say you don't know. But if you know, just say what needs to be said. Don't say too much. Don't, you know, jump into things. Don't say, you know, ridiculous stuff. You know, be humble, be nice. If they ask you for a task, for example, look up Salter Harris type 2 fractures. Next morning you come in and, you know, you present, you give your presentation and tell them, you know, what you find. And, you know, so they will like you. They, they know that you're motivated to learn and do stuff. What is the environment in radiology during the training? I know that sometimes in surgery it's a little bit toxic, I would say. The interaction in between people are a little bit harsh. You guys, for the most part, you're pretty mellow people and when we interact over the phone we have a great relationship especially us emergency physicians have to have a great relationship with our radiologists what is it like in during residency training well you know i think in, there are personalities even within radiology you, you have personalities you'll see the mellow type you would see the little bit aggressive type so you have to learn how to deal with each you know person it, this is part of life i think you know nothing is always uh, nice and shiny as we expect some places you would be very toxic in ideology, so and others are nice. So you you all have to dig in before going into that place. You had said that it is important to get letters of recommendations from very important people. Obviously, these very important people are really hard to get to. They have limited time, limited access. Let's say, for example, the chairman of the Department of Radiology of X prominent medical institution is a person that is extremely busy. He publishes, he does research, he also does clinical shifts. That's what I have found difficult. For me, it was really, really hard to get to approach these people. How was your stepping in? How do you get close to these people and say, Dr. X, my name is Isan Mamoun. I'm a foreign medical grad and I'm here in Cleveland doing observerships. How can I follow you for about a month to see and do an observership with you? What type of approach you did that could help our IMGs that are willing to go through radiology? If you were able to go to bump into one of these big names and, you know, even if you start your way, just, you know, be able to, to, uh, to be in an observership, try to get that connection with someone uh, important. Like, you know, some people, you know, if you're in an academic place, you would see people publish a lot in body imaging. So try to be there. Try to show your interest. If, even if you're there for a month, try to collect data, try to collect articles, summarize things. You know, be engaged. Even if your name is not going to be on that paper, but at least they remember you. They put a good letter for you. It may help you match in their program. Okay, stuff like that. If you're lucky enough to to meet with, you know, uh, you know, a chairman of radiology or just be there to try to take advantage and, uh, you know, don't waste that opportunity. Looking back to year 2005 when you were applying, what things you did now looking back that you think you could have done better? Things that you could have improved and probably avoid certain mistakes? Certain mistakes. Uh, for example, my preliminary year in medicine was a little bit tough. So some people did their transitional year in Hawaii, for example. So they enjoyed their time. I didn't. So it all depends, you know, maybe it was tough, but, you know, I learned from it. If I would probably think about it again, probably I would choose another place, you know, take advantage of that year to meet other specialties and 
I'll probably think twice before doing it in medicine. But again, it's, you know, it helped me. It didn't harm me. Okay. So that's, that's probably the only thing that you could regret. So it's been a tough path. It's been a long path. Any other tips of advice to our FMGs that want to come into America and become just a doctor in the U.S.? What would you say from people from uh, the Gulf mm -hmm. countries specifically mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. is the biggest barrier to overcome when immigrating to the United States? Now, besides the immigration issues and policies and visas, just make sure you try to get very, very high scores in USMLE. That's a very crucial step because, you know, the number one filter for all these IMGs is their USMLE scores. And then number two, try to engage into research and publication early on. This is very important. Know how things are written, how you uh, publish, how to write the paper, how to write the case report, and you know, how to write the series, the meta-analysis, and all that stuff. This is one of the deficiencies, I think, for IMGs. They're not that exposed. And, you know, if you overcome that and, you know, learn on your, on your own or find someone in your country who's willing to do research, just, you know, get engaged early on. Well, Dr. Mamoun has said it. Work hard, get committed, working and considering about 100 programs to apply to or more to obtain about 12 to 14 interviews for preliminary positions and radiology categorical positions as a PGY2. Be on time, be professional. You need to be also a good person, but you need to also demonstrate proficiency on doing research and obviously have fantastic USMLE scores. As of now, USMLE step one is turning into a pass-fail score. Step two, clinical skills is suspended. And step three, we're trying to figure out how it's going to be. But for now, this interviewing process of 2020 is going to be one of the most different ones uh, in the world because most of the interviewing are going to be had through telemedicine. So, well, thank you for coming to our show, Dr. Mamoun. I think I hope people uh, take advantage of your advice and recommendations because they wanted to hear it from a radiologist that is an IMG like me. And I know they're going to enjoy it so much. So call to action, please do not forget to follow us on all our electronic platforms and leave us feedback. If you guys think that we deserve a five-star review, leave it in iTunes podcast application and leave us a review and feel free to send me an email. I love to hear from you guys specifically. Any people, any guests that you want to have in our show, Dr. Mamoun is here because you requested it. And I hope this answers many of your questions. So thank you for listening. And Please remember to share because sharing is caring. Thank you, Dr. Mamoun. Thank you, Lanzo, very much. We'll see you back in the hospital soon. <laughs> Thank you, Ishan. <laughs>